Hello there, I'm Teresa and you're about to listen to the second episode of my podcast Oh, You Work in Fashion. In this episode, I'll have the pleasure to chat with my dear friend Carla, a fashion stylist from Spain. Keep listening to find out how she managed to start her styling career during her studies. Hope you enjoy! Hello there, it's Teresa here and I'm here with my good friend Carla. Woohoo! Hello. Hi, Carla. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so, introduce yourself a bit, just like the basic info. My name is Carla. I'm 25 years old. I come from Valencia in Spain, and I'm a stylist slash styling assistant <laughs> based in Paris since two years ago. Okay, perfect. So, I think we should start by where your passion for fashion comes from, and then how you got here, what brought you to decide to become a stylist? So this is a tough question for me. We have all the time in the world. Okay, so basically, like every little girl, I've always loved dressing myself. And it was like a huge thing for me, apparently. I don't remember, but my mother always tells me I was like super picky <laughs> with what I wanted to wear. <clears throat> I would do my own looks like at the night before. And many times I remember I would change my outfit. So in the morning I would, you know, have one outfit and then I will come back for lunch, you know, and change for, for the evening. Yeah, I totally get it. There's too much fashion to choose from. Like. But my parents always tried for me to uh, do different sports and like uh, activities, music. So like I was... I don't know, very like fed mm -hmm. in many ways. So I think I never really considered fashion as a job, you know, mm -hmm. it was just to have fun. Yeah. And I remember my first Vogue, I stole it from a, like a family trip we did in the north of Spain. And it was like a Vogue collections. So okay. it was like the whole season. Yeah. It was like a huge as a Bible. Yeah. It wasn't like the Vogue collections they do now that are like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. And I think I was like around 10 years, no, even younger. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? I need to have this. But again, never really took it seriously, you know. And through my adolescence, I was really determined to to study biology specifically marine biology because i was really drawn to all of the sustainability issues and the sea per se but the last three years of high school were super intense in this sense because me and a couple of friends we were kind of having really nice grades so they were like pushing us a lot mm -hmm. taking us to competitions and like olympics in biology and geology i think at some point i was so fed up that when i had to make the decision of which university i wanted to to get into i quit biology <laughs> You just rejected it. I kind of. rejected it a bit, yeah, a lot. <laughs> and I, I wrote myself down for, for fine arts. But then, by chance, my mother discovered a tiny public school in Valencia where they were having a degree in fashion design. She actually went there to see the place and she told me, I had a feeling like you should go there. I think That's so cute. it's your place. 
And so I, I don't know, I prepared, you know, like the exam to mm -hmm. get in, which was crazy for me because it was like scary. Uh, I studied for like one week in a, in a, like a drawing academy and I passed. I was like in the last, last class of the first uh, year. It was very difficult for me, especially the first year and the second year because I wasn't used to technical drawing, uh, to creative drawing and like many skills that I did love, but I hadn't like used for a long time. I guess for me, it was like just learning something new. It was kind of distracting me from, you know, everything that came with the biology <laughs> and like the expectations. And then there were other disciplines in the same school, like photography, fashion, interior design, graphic design, uh, jewelry. So everyone was kind of like in a project all the time. And they started asking me if I wanted to be like a model for their projects. And that's how I kind of got started in the kind of like set life. I began to get to know the figures in, in a set, the yeah. photographer, the stylist. That's how I met this stylist who was kind of doing great things in Valencia at the time. He had a, a magazine he, he was uh, handling by himself and he was quite relevant at the time. So I began to assist him for different projects. While you were in uni? While I was in uni. And also I started working in a vintage shop. And through that, I kind of, like suddenly I got my first job for styling a video clip. That's how it got started. And you know, it was something that I enjoyed, that I was doing with kind of like friends, with people who were also learning, so there wasn't, you know, like the pressure. too much pressure. And what did you enjoy the most about that, the first experiences you had? Right? I think for me it was that I was having fun. Also because I started working a lot in uh, with artists and in music video clips, and I always say that music is my first passion. So for me being able to be close to that and to be able to be part of it and build something, was really re rewarding and also until I got to Paris I always felt that I was uh, working with friends and in a, you know like a very safe space mm -hmm. where there was like no wrong you know it was just like a learning process and something to enjoy and obviously we want the finished result to be good but I would never be like I'm like building the beginning of my career it didn't felt like that yeah, at you all. were just having fun I was just having fun I was still studying too and you didn't talk much about like the uni part like how okay. was it for you like the lessons I don't know did you would you do it again I'm very grateful that I went to that school the school's name is EASD Escuela de Arte Superior de okay. Diseño de Valencia I'm always grateful that I went there because it brought me here that's how I met everyone I worked Worked yeah. with in the past, but I wouldn't say it was like an amazing teaching. I would say I had like four or five really good teachers, but I guess it was for me a way of learning tools, kind of like Photoshop, InDesign, sewing patterns. Yeah. It was very technical, very strict grading of the process. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say it was the best. So education. you enjoyed more, you were more inspired by what was around the school, like the well, um, Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, totally. And by the people I met there and yeah. So that lasted three years? No, it was supposed to be four years. Mm -hmm. To this day, I haven't finished my really? degree. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> 
this year I'm doing like the last subject and my final project because when I moved to Paris like I was still a student but I you put I, it on pause yeah I couldn't do it long distance mm -hmm. what do you think your final project is going to be like so I still have to think about this because again they're making me sew something okay. and design something even if it's a capsule collection so I need to think about it because I really wanted to do a photo book I kind of feel that I should do something that can be like useful for me now but that is not too difficult to do mm -hmm. because I'm also focusing my energy on other things yeah. right now not yeah, wasting too much time. Use it as a as an excuse to do something that I can you know use for my yeah. portfolio that I'm proud of. Why did you decide to continue with the uni? Like there are several reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them is that I only have left yeah. to do like the final project. Okay. So I I kind of feel like you know maybe right now I'm being able to work and have a life that doesn't uh, involve having a degree. But life is very you never long, know. and you never know. And since I only have this you know little part yeah. to to finish. It's not like I'm still, I don't know, two years mm -hmm. left to do. On the other side, of course, it's like, okay, now we say in Spanish, it's pundonor. Mm -hmm. It's like oh, yeah, for yeah. pride or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm gonna finish this. Yeah. And then also, I guess it's a bit of a family thing, because in my family, only my mother has a, a uni degree. Okay. And it was like a very important thing for her. And she was like very proud to be, you know, the first person in the family to have a uni degree. I don't know, I guess like it's also a bit for her, you know. That, oh, that's uh, so cute. But I know in, in a way it doesn't mean anything, you know. It yeah. just means you have the discipline and... The... Yeah, because I don't know if you agree, but like in fashion, no one cares about your studies. I don't know. I think it depends. I think, mm. you know, you're gonna maybe sometime uh, have an interview with a company uh, that it's gonna offer you a stable job. Yeah, more structured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe you're, you're like, right. okay, maybe I should have finished. In that shit. case, it counts. That's true. So you were in uni mm -hmm. and you were doing your vintage shop, your music stuff. And what brought you here? How did you end up here? <laughs> I started shooting again with friends, more editorial stuff. So it wasn't all like video clips. And I, you know, started to work with brands. I remember I had my first pull letter for Metal magazine. Quick fashion tip. A pull letter is something that you're given by the magazine you're shooting for and it declares that you're shooting for them, that your pictures are going to be published for them and it works as kind of like a warranty that you're going to send to the brands you're asking the clothes to so that they're more inclined to lend you the clothes. Yeah, that's it. And they shipped me the fucking huge box of Prada and... I, my mom has the videos, you know, of me, like baby me opening the the fucking box that was like bigger than me. It's like and Christmas. Bringing, yeah. And yeah. like opening the bags and the shoes and I was like about to cry. And basically I started seeing a bit more of what the stylists do in terms of editorials and I did a couple of commercials. It got to the point where I had to make my mandatory internship for my studies. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I kind of had to make a choice between doing something more fashion design related mm -hmm. or... Go on with the styling. Yeah. I was like, okay, 
I'm gonna just email a couple of stylists that I like. I remember it was four people and not that uh, many. Not that many. And one of them answered right away, like the next day. It was uh, a chance of luck because a girl from her team was leaving. Uh, it was a bit like difficult for me to kind of finalize everything, for me to be sure that they wanted me because, uh, sorry, I didn't say, but the internship was in Paris. So I needed uh, her to sign, you know, all of a the lot, yeah. documents of for yeah. my school and everything. So, you know, even if she answered me uh, until I got to Paris, I wasn't really even sure it was going to happen. She signed everything and I got an apartment in Paris for like a month. Like an Airbnb? No, it was a, it was a room. How I, did you find it? So a friend of a friend that spent the summer in Paris was living there and he put me in contact with the people there. And yeah, so I was like, okay, c'est parti, on y va à la France. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you didn't speak in French at all? Not really. Uh, my parents have always spoken a little bit of French. They have uh, French friends. And every summer I would spend it in a place in Spain, but where a lot of French people went to. So I kind of had some like smaller interactions, but not really, really like fluently speaking yeah. French. Yeah. Also, I feel like it's important that I say this, that I feel that I was able to get this opportunity because for the last two, three years before that, I had, you know, working on a portfolio, kind of building a bit my aesthetic yeah. or, you know, the things that I wanted to tell. So I feel like if I didn't have a good portfolio... Even just for interning. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to have a lot of things, but even the way you presented the like display per se, um, the layout, everything, I feel like for me at least that I've also received some CVs from people who wanted to assist me. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. And also it's very important the way you write the email. Like how? I just feel like, obviously, this person, if, I mean, if you're looking for an intern, this person is going to have to learn. They don't have many experience, but it's just going to make the difference against other people. But like in the tone or in the things they write? No, I mean in the structure. Silly things, you know, like... Uh, Writing everything in one line, that's bad. You know, one having like an instructor email yeah. that it's like, good morning, hope this email finds you well, whatever it is, you know, but like, just like a proper email. So for me, I think that was like things that made the difference. But also I feel like it was pure luck because this girl was, was leaving the team. A, and a mix of both. Yeah. Okay. So you got the internship and you moved here. It was supposed to be how long? It was like by hours, so I think it was oh, 240 yeah. hours that okay. I was supposed to make. But in reality, I was doing so many like yeah. hours uh, a lot more, more. You yeah. know, than what was expected of me. So you didn't have plans after that? You were like, I'm just going to go there and see how it's like? I mean, the original plan was to finish the internship and come back to finish my okay. final project. <laughs> but I liked it so much. And the stylist I was working for offered me to, to stay as an assistant. And so during the internship, was it paid? 
at all or no not at all not at all we had some jobs during my internship that were paid Mm -hmm. eventually because they were for companies Mm -hmm. but uh, like going to the office per se every day and everything nah so the preparation yeah that wasn't paid but well when you became an assistant did you have to do your like freelance stuff yeah already this was messy and when was that i actually got my my auto entrepreneur license let's yeah. say when i stopped working with this and with this what stylist. did you do before <laughs> is it illegal to talk about that <laughs> a bit it is okay, so. let's say that i should have done something that i didn't do but again this is something you need to take care about because this person uh, that i was working for um, she couldn't care less about my situation ship regarding the law in spain yeah. or the law in france or so you were getting paid anyway like i was getting paid anyway <laughs> thankfully <laughs> that's good at least <laughs> But I'm still like, I still have some uh, issues to solve about this with the Spanish institutions. <laughs> they're chasing you. You're going to no, get arrested. No, they're not. <laughs> I hope not. The I Spanish police is outside. I, I didn't earn that much money, you know. <laughs> like, I'm not a fucking uh, corrupt politician. <laughs> this is something, honestly, that... It's not easy to learn. It's not easy to learn. Yeah. It's something you have to take care of for yourself. So... How did you actually make it to understand how it works? I how still don't. I, okay, whatever. Let's I'm trying my best. Okay. Um, so you don't have advice on that because it's like you're no. still kind of lost. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> don't, I'm not an accountant. Well, let's talk Please, about... Please, someone who's doing accounting... <laughs> I'm going to find someone. Who needs a practice case on fashion <laughs> law <laughs> or something. We're ready. Please you. call me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep on that because we don't know much about that. But <laughs> something you know about, it's the styling part. So after well, the assisting part, you quit. Well, I didn't exactly quit, but... <laughs> whatever happened, you were on your own. I was on my own. Suddenly, from like one day to another. How did it feel? It, I feel like it was something that was building up. Mm, you felt it coming yeah so in a way when it happened on one hand i was like scared as fuck because you know it was my first time living uh, outside of spain i kind of lived a couple of months before the covid i shared an apartment in valencia Mm -hmm. uh, so i wasn't living with my parents Mm -hmm. but it was also the first time i was living alone Mm -hmm. it was scary you know because it's like okay this was my economical support in a way and now it's gone what's gonna happen you know it was almost exactly one year uh, after i started my internship and I could have uh, gone, back. gone back to Spain. Did like, you consider it? I consider it because it was the beginning of October. The classes had started for one week. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if I want, perfect. I can come back. I finish my degree this year, whatever. But <laughs> I also had the itch a bit inside that was asking me, like, maybe you should try it and see if you can, you know, actually make a living now that you're here and like use the contacts and the people you've met instead of just giving up like... instead of just kind of giving up even though when i thought about going back to to uni i also thought like of coming back to paris Later. when i finished yeah 
But I was like, should I or should I not? <laughs> you took the risk. I think it was not so risky because I'm very lucky to be blessed with a family that supports me economically and I wasn't on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really like life or death choice, you know, but it was scary. Also, uh, at the same time, I was grateful that I didn't feel sadness because as, as I felt it kind of coming, I wasn't really happy about some things i didn't feel any like sadness at all or like maybe like a bit of angriness and you know confusion at first whatever but i also felt so calm and so like okay this is what was meant to happen like this is okay you know everything's gonna be fine that i think that was what helped me to be like okay so let's try this year and see you know if you're actually able to make a living out of assisting other people Mm -hmm. i updated my my portfolio with everything i had done with this uh, stylist for the past year and i started reaching out everyone (laughs) basically just stylists at first but then i got to know more production teams i got to know some agencies so i was kind of like reaching out to everyone i could that worked (laughs) kind of kind of worked so far i've been able to pay my rent that's good my so life. you would say that it gives you kind of a financial stability so far the funny thing is now i feel like i'm much more financially stable than when i was working for this stylist and also i work much less mm-hmm. so it was a win-win that's good it is true that with freelancing you never know yeah. um, when you're gonna be able to work or not there are some times where you're extremely lucky and you're like non-stop working which was what happened to me this summer but i've had also some like months where i haven't worked mm-hmm. at all or not much and it's also, I feel like a huge exercise of economical responsibility mm-hmm. that you need to acknowledge on your own that makes you a bit more adult, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's a constant learning but process. Would you say you overall, you like the freelance job, like yeah. the freelance life? Yeah, I love it. You know, it's funny, sometimes I have a job for like three, four days. I've had longer ones, but like three, four days is enough for me to be like... <gasps> How do these people I'll go to the fucking office every yeah. day? Like, how do they That's do? True. That's true. I know it's not the same because, I mean, every job is different. And sometimes uh, a styling assistants can be very tough in terms... Intense. Of physical effort, but also uh, mental. mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're not like sitting in a computer maybe for like the whole day, which yeah. also happens, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. when you're doing requests, basically it's that. But being able to organize my life, do more things that I enjoy, read, walk, go to yoga, so, I don't know. So what's your <laughs> routine if you have one? I don't have a fucking routine. Not at all. It's something I'm still working on for myself. Since I stopped working for this stylist, I've been kind of trying to build a routine. It's kind of like shaping now. So, for example, I wake up very late in general. And I I go to sleep very late. Like what? Usually after 12. I go to sleep after 12. It's kind of like, okay, so you wake up at 10.30. 
you have your yoga class at 11, so at 12, you're like, eh, okay, <laughs> I have to make lunch, you know, or yeah, like do yeah. shopping groceries. Mornings are really short. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you okay. have jobs, what okay. is it like? What's the, which are the best parts and which are the worst parts? Okay, so what's my routine when I'm styling something? Okay, so for example, now I, I'm working on a project um, which is going to be a live recorded session on a radio, a show of electronic music. And I'm styling the two DJs, the two girls that are going to be playing. I always try to start by making a mood board. In this case, because I'm working with a talent and it's not, you know, a random model. I went to their profiles to see, what, you know, what was their vibe about which outfits they wear, whatever, which music they play. And then I So you didn't know them before? I knew one of them, but I met her in a job because she's a model too. And then I started uh, working on my references to know you, uh, to, for me to identify uh, the kind of shapes, colors, vibe, you know, that I wanted to work around and in this case I kind of made two different mood boards because I felt the girls had two different personalities and styles. I usually need to like find at least, I don't know, a hundred references for me to be able to put up a mood board of one page, which is gonna be 10 pictures, one page, you know, but I need mm -hmm. to like have a lot of choice. A lot of choices. I like to use Pinterest for this, for my boards because I can also like look for images outside of Pinterest yeah. and add them to my board. And I think it's much more convenient than like filling my computer with shit, which still happens. So, <laughs> but yeah, once I had built the mood boards, I started, you know, drawing brands out of my mind that I think could work, that I think could be available, that could be interested in collaborating. And I did a selection of their last collections for them to see, for the girls to see. But then I met with them for a coffee where we discussed the proposals and, you know, all of the details. And uh, the next thing I did was already requesting the brands for the, for the project, along with proper introduction of the girls. And uh, so far I got a couple of good responses. Still working on it. Once uh, we are in this process of like, I call this the fashion hunt. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> the fashion hunt. You know, once you get the samples, <laughs> usually I like to do like a fitting, even if it's, you know, by myself. Yeah. Uh, just like looking at the clothes, putting them on the floor, seeing a bit the coherence between the looks, what could I do, what could work, what not. In this case, uh, for this project, I would do the fitting with, with the girls and we'll choose together what they will wear. And then it's uh, shoot time. It's uh, where I try to, you know, have already everything prepared. So the looks that I want to use in which locations. Yeah, I try to be as much prepared as possible for the day of the shoot. Sometimes you can't because there's no time. I'm very messy, but also I try to be very organized. But I always think 
that you really need to be present in the shoot because that's the moment where you're going to see, you know, the possibilities or challenges that are going to make the final result great mm -hmm. and that probably are have nothing to do with what you had in mind. Yeah. So, so would you say that's your favorite part? The shooting? Yeah. Yes and no, because I feel like it depends on so many things. It depends on the team, the vibes if everyone is aligned to do the same thing or not, or, or it's like a mess, super slow. I think it's the most tricky part of the whole process, but I also feel like it can be the most rewarding. I also really enjoy just like the mood board process, mm -hmm. like looking up references. And what uh, are your inspirations? I always say that my favorite thing about the world are its stories. Mm -hmm. So I really like when a, an editorial has a storytelling, which doesn't mean it has to be nothing too yeah. deep or anything, but that there is like a line of work, you know. I always feel more attracted to kind of like funny, ironical uh, things. Not too serious. Not too serious at all. But also I'm, you know, trying to, to work with people who have a different... Uh, aesthetics and different ideas so you get caught up in projects too that maybe are not so aligned to you mm -hmm. but I feel like they also allow you to explore some explore, other, voila, some, yeah, other, some parts other parts of, of you. yourself mm -hmm. and what do you think are the key components for this job if you want to start this job what's really important to you it's sad to say but I feel like you need economical support. Yeah. It's very important. I remember starting maybe, I don't know, doing tests for agencies. Another little fashion tip. So a test shoot is when a model agency has some new models and they need to build their portfolio. And they're going to ask a photographer and a stylist to do some kind of basic shots that they can use in their portfolio. And sometimes they're paid like a little fee sometimes not it depends so yeah and obviously like where i come from there is not so many options uh, in terms of brands you know that can be available there there are a lot of students who do things but maybe it's too experimental you know and maybe for a test you need you know something basic basic and i remember uh, I don't know, spending so much money on Zara that, you know, in the end I was going to return and it was okay. But like... You have if, to have it. <laughs> yeah, you have to have it for a moment, yeah. you know. <laughs> so those kind of situations uh, and others, you know, mm -hmm. other examples that can come to my mind, uh, I couldn't have started without... Some support, yeah. Some support. Um, it's set. But it's true. Obviously, I'm not saying it's the only way. I feel like you can do many things without money. But I feel like at some point it is mm -hmm. like a break or make mm -hmm. thing. But then after that, I think what you need to have is a passion for images or fashion or photography. Because I feel like, you know, even if you're a stylist, there are many ways to being a stylist that doesn't have to be like passionate about the clothes. But yeah, passion and interest. And but what I mean by interest is like, you're willing to, you know, make an effort to get it. Because I also was very lucky that, you know, suddenly I, I 
found myself uh, surrounded by people who you, were willing yeah. to work with me. You found the right people and yeah. you just went with it. Voila. I think so. so I don't, I'm not saying it was that easy, but it's like, it's something that it's not going to be given to you yeah. unless yeah. you're like, I don't know. I think you have the right attitude in general because I don't know, even now you never talk about things that discourage you. You talk more about things that kind of push you, you know? But in general, I, I like the, the way you really try to look forward instead of... Yeah, I think this comes from my parents. Like, they're always like, everything's fine. Everything's gonna be fine. So just, like, trust the process. And that's what I try to do. Obviously, that doesn't mean I get discouraged, mm -hmm. which I do. When was your lowest... I think, obviously, when I found myself with no job, I was kind of, like, grieving mm -hmm. for a month, maybe. And I was, like, from when that happened until I started emailing to when I started my first job. It was a process. Mm -hmm. So I think that was, like, I wouldn't say lowest because I was kind of, like, hopeful in a way. But then I remember in March, like, after a couple of months of being like in the freelance circuit, whatever. In March, I think I didn't work at all or just had like a couple of jobs. And I was like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? Like why I cannot get jobs? But in the end, uh, I talked to many other people who are in the same situation as me as freelancers. And they were like, oh yeah, me neither. Like, I think it's, everything's like the sea. You know, like there are currents, there are waves, there are cold waves, there are heat waves and everything's flowing all the time. So sometimes you're going to get lucky. Sometimes you're not. <laughs> <laughs> the biologist in you really and, popped up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's important to be responsible with your money, because, you know, when you're a freelance, you might get to a point where you don't have jobs. One day it's there, one day... And you need, you know, to have saved up a little bit yeah, at yeah, least yeah. for you to be able to keep on working until the next job comes. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the fashion. I feel like we, we talked enough. I mean, I would love to dig in even more, but now I think we have to talk a bit about the Paris part, like the being an immigrant, you know, like mm -hmm. the way you feel about like being away from Spain and what you enjoy the most about being here and what, I don't know, what you see for your future. I was talking to my mother yesterday and she was reminding me of how traumatic it was for me to find an apartment mm -hmm. at first. And it's something I really don't think about that much. But when she said that, I was like, oh my God, yeah. Like, I remember calling my parents crying. I don't know what to do anymore because I was like emailing, calling, um whatsapping everything and it was very very hard so like i guess at first when i arrived here that was like my first you know <laughs> kind of a shock kind of not a shock but like my first challenge challenge in paris was to find an apartment and it was difficult because no one would help me not even the person I was working for, and I didn't know anyone in the city, so I was desperate. And also my first year, even though I was technically living in Paris, I was traveling so much that I didn't really never experience the city. I was working all the time, so I didn't really got to know people. I wasn't really doing things, you know. So the way you were meeting people was through jobs mainly? 
Yeah, but honestly, my friends were my job colleagues, mm-hmm. you know. Like, and that was it. And that was it. By chance, I had a friend of a friend who was Parisian and we hanged out sometimes. He's still nowadays one of my only French, French friends. friends. <laughs> but I really didn't know any people. I met this group of Spanish people who were also like working in fashion and other creative disciplines. And that was something that brought me a lot of... Friends? Yeah, just like a support group, you know? Oh, yeah. Because I only had my work colleagues and, you know, sometimes when you're spending literally almost 24 hours a day together, you need to talk about other things and see other people. But, yeah, for me, Paris at first was quite a, a challenge just because I never really felt that I was living here. I had some cute experiences, you know. I remember for me a bit of a breaking point was when I was still living in the first apartment and another guy was renting one of the rooms and he was a Russian model and he was supposed to perform at the Nature Morte de Anne Inhof which was a kind of like performance show that was going on at the Palais du Tokyo at the time. And because of visa issues, he couldn't perform, but they obviously invited him to the last show. And he took me with him and wow, it was like, okay, girl, like you're not in Spain anymore. You're not in Valencia anymore. Like there were people eating burning wax candle in front of me like I was like what the fuck is this you know <laughs> loved it loved yeah. it absolutely loved it so I guess it's been like a process you know of finding my way in mm-hmm. the city as I said for the first year it was kind of like super messy and I always felt like I was living in the city and looking at the things from afar mm-hmm. I remember coming back from the office at maybe I don't know 8 p.m. in winter, like raining, it's so fucking cold. And, you know, <laughs> seeing everyone in the terraces drinking, having fun, smoking. And I was like, <laughs> I want that too. I want that too, but I don't have energy for it, you yeah. know, even though I want it. But I had a couple of like friends visits during the year. And I was also like so focused on work that on one hand it was like okay like this is what I'm doing now this is my master's degree and then my second year was way better I've done much more friends I've experienced much more things and concerts and expositions and movies and parties and bars and now I feel like I've really lived in the city I also feel like I'm part of it in a way yeah even though it's a tiny bit, <laughs> but I feel good here. Like there hasn't been many times where I've, I've felt rejected, um, but it is true that, yeah, it's a bit difficult sometimes with the French. I also feel like it's still my second year, start of the third year, and, you know, I have to take it easy. I feel like I can belong here, you know. So you see yourself staying here for a while? Yeah, totally. You don't miss Spain. You don't see yourself working in Spain. I do, but uh, I feel like things in Spain are way behind in terms of fashion, if you compare it to Paris. I feel like 
I'm gonna be much more valued back in Spain after I have like some mm. years of experience mm -hmm. outside of Spain. So I think that's gonna be a plus for me. And also I feel like now nowadays, if I would come back to Spain, I will be doing smaller things, not really working to the level that I've been working here with like the best photographers, the best models, the best stylists, which is making me making me more rich in my knowledge and in my experiences than if I was back in Spain. What's the best thing about Paris for you? What do you appreciate the most? What makes it special? I feel like for me, one of my happiest moments that I try to repeat as much as I can is just taking the bike, crossing the river at dawn. So you're seeing the sunset, you're seeing La Tour Eiffel shine in the back. That's it. <laughs> you, you know, know? why it's a good moment? Because you take the fucking lime and you don't fucking sweat. You're <laughs> mm, sorry. <laughs> She's a fake cyclist. I'm you... not. I cycle. It's like a scooter. Fuck you. <laughs> But I get it. I get what you mean. Yeah, it's nice. That's where you, when you really appreciate it, when you're like, I see what I get in exchange of all the mess, all the trauma and whatever. Yeah, but also, I don't know, being in like this really random warehouse in Montreuil, in like a really dark party with some really weird people. That's also like, oh shit, we're here. I think you can appreciate Paris in many ways. For me, it comes. It comes at a moment and then it's gone and then it comes mm -hmm. back. And what don't you like about Paris? I ugh, kind of fucking hate the weather. You're a sunny girl. I mean, I love the rain, but I don't love being in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and I also hate the cold or I get cold very easily. Of course, the life in the city is not easy. There are many people that have difficulties to live in the city and you can see it and you live it. But I guess at the same time, it also makes me feel like grateful mm -hmm. and blessed to mm -hmm. be here and be able to work in something I love, to be able to have a lovely support system. So we're going a bit towards the end. I wanted to ask you what is something that you're still keeping as a goal for your career? What a good question. I had goals. Now I just cannot remember them. <laughs> <laughs> I think my goal is to really have a fun nice life to have some random funny shit stories about i don't know the time we went to the caribbean to style king africa i don't know okay, so. <laughs> you know in general i want my life to be magical i think that's my my goal i don't know i i trust the process and one last thing what's one thing that you wish you knew earlier like you wish i don't know someone told you when you were starting? I think, you know, I'm much more confused now <laughs> than, <laughs> than when I was starting. But I feel like you should just go with what feels right. Because many times you're gonna doubt yourself, you're gonna get anxious, you know, about things. Many times it's just because you're not really listening to yourself. Yeah, always trust your gut and do what feels right. So would you say you're happy? Yes. yes. <laughs> so cute. I'm happy to be Paris. <laughs> okay, so I guess yeah. we touched a lot of points. We, I don't know I think... if it makes sense what I said. Yeah, but... it does to me. Okay. It does to me and I'm really happy about this conversation because 
it's so nice to hear you talk. It's so positive. It's so <laughs> no, really, it's so motivating for me. So it's really nice. Thank you. I'm happy to be your friend. And me too. <laughs> let's, let's get turn emotional. My friend. <laughs> and thank you so much for this. And yeah, anything you want to say? Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista, vista, baby. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Not see you, but whatever. (laughs) Bisous. Bisous. Besos. You just listened to the second episode of the podcast, Oh, You Work in Fashion. Don't forget to follow both here and on Instagram and share it if you liked it. Until next time.